Well, hey, everybody, welcome to My Seminary Life, and I'm your host, Brandon Knight. If you're new around here, welcome to the show. This is where I talk about the things that I'm studying in grad school right now. I'm currently in a class called Communication in Ministry, which sounds like a class that's all about writing emails. But what it's actually about is what it's actually about is how to communicate the truth of God's word through preaching and teaching. And all along the way, I've been sharing sermons, different ways that you that I have preached and taught God's word. But for today's episode, I wanted to bring in my good friend, Pastor Will Rose. Pastor Will is one of the hosts over at Systematic Ecology, and I hope I'm going to get this right this time. I've, I've messed this up before. He is the <laughs> parish pastor at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Pastor Will, welcome to the show. Boom. You nailed it. That's 100% right. And um, yeah, thanks for inviting me to part of the show. We've done other podcasts out there talking geeky things and ministry things and glad I finally get to be on your podcast. Um, Seminary was a while ago for me, but still have a heart for, for seminary and was at a church uh, before at where I am now, I was at a church near a seminary, so we had field ed and contextual ed students that would, uh, you know, form pastoral identity and learn how to do that kind of stuff in our church as kind of a, an internship oh, supervisor. Okay. So that I always had a heart for that um, that part of of the learning process uh, as as seminary and pastoring. So glad to be a part of this, and and yeah, I'm a. Lutheran pastor in in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, at Holy Trinity Lutheran. I'm the parish pastor. We also have a campus uh, ministry, and we have a campus minister, campus pastor. Uh, but we overlap in in um, in responsibilities and helping each other out. So we don't have like a senior uh, associate pastor. We have a senior pastor and then an associate. We're both kind of senior pastor around our niche of I'm in charge of the congregation and the parish. He's in charge of uh, the campus ministry, but um, when I need help on my end of things, I'll, I'll invite them over to be a part of that and vice versa. Wants a helping hand or wants me to preach or, or help with a project or ministry going on campus ministry, I'll help out with that. So it's a good partnership and it's a cool context for ministry here on the doorstep of University of North Carolina. I grew up a big Tar Heel fan and loving Carolina basketball. And so now I'm here doing ministry right here in the thick of it. But um, when you're on a college campus and you have congregation members from anywhere from one month old to um, 103 and then um, and then having students from the university coming through your doors uh, seeking to grow in their faith and wrestling with what they want to be that when they grow up it's a it's a dynamic uh, fun context for ministry yeah it sounds like there's a lot going on there especially when you were just talking right there about the age range of like children to the the older adult folks to just mm-hmm. this world of college students coming in and out. You've got the whole gamut there, which is really yeah. kind of a healthy church when you've got a long, uh, the whole gamut of age ranges to be working with. I'm really thankful that you also took a moment to talk about being a parish pastor in this episode. Uh, I'm asking for an extra handful of grace here because you come from a church context that I don't really know much about at all. I'm okay. going to ask very ignorant questions along this wow. way. 
And that hey, was going to be no one of the- bad questions as long as you don't know the answer. If it's, if it's one of those questions where you had to trap people, like you know that Jesus' opponents right. were, or you're trying to do that, then yeah, yeah, there, there are bad questions. But when they're, when if you have no idea what the answer is and you're genuinely curious about it, then there's no bad questions. Well, good. I feel I feel much safer now going there into go. this. There you go. And I. <laughs> It's interesting hearing you talk about being a parish pastor and then also having the campus ministry pastor, how you're co-equals in doing this. It's not like senior and associate pastor. It's interesting hearing that because I've started noticing that more in the standard American evangelical non-denominational churches of kind of doing away with this idea of pastor, youth pastor, pastor associate pastor and it's two or three men together leading they just may have different focuses in how where they lead yeah yeah yep um and and i've been my i this is my officially my fourth call to to a church i served a church in south florida right out of seminary and was the youth pastor associate pastor and they was like senior pastor, retired pastor, and then I was the associate. Um, and and I that's a whole nother episode about how I think that should work <laughs> or not. Um, and then and then um, my I was the interim pastor at a campus ministry in South Carolina before getting my call to a to another church. And I was like kind of like the lone pastor. I was the congregational pastor. I was the only ordained one there. I had other kind of staff and musicians and a youth director and and church council that helped govern things. So I wasn't alone in the ministry, but I was the only ordained. And then eventually we, we called um, an ordained youth pastor there. And then uh, I was called here to Chapel Hill. And it was kind of the understanding there had that, that structure in place where the campus pastor and the parish pastor had their, their kind of uh, area of ministry that they would focus on, but then understand that they worked together on, on different projects that are out. We've been on, and that doesn't work for everybody. If you don't get along with your, your ministry partner or there's ego involved, or you really feel like you're stepping on each other's toes, that could not work. You got to really communicate well mm-hmm. about what you're comfortable with or not, because, you know, as people who are uh, type A or leaders or have a lot of ego when it comes to ministry, sometimes, yeah, that stuff can get in the way. Uh, our sinful nature will get in the way with that. Um, but but I'm thankful that that Mark here, um, we've got long great and over 10 years have really found a good rhythm on how we work with each other. That's awesome. That's good to hear. And yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back here to talk more about some of your experience with those other churches, those other leadership dynamics, because mm. the next class up is a leadership class. So maybe okay. we'll have you back and we can talk about leadership stuff. But for now, I want to talk uh, I have about thoughts. I have thoughts. Brady. Yeah, please do. I have lots thoughts? of thoughts. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. <laughs> but for today, I want to talk about preaching, especially in a church that, if I understand correctly, you come from this high liturgical Lutheran church setting. Mm-hmm. The class I am taking and my ministry experience and just the churches in general I have been in the way that I have been taught to preach is more of the typical three point Baptist sermon of here's the text. You know, I, you start a sermon series going through the book of whatever Mark Exodus 
whatever. And yeah. you hit your three points in a sermon and you come back next week and we go through another one or with my traveling preaching, you know, I'm in different passages each time, but it's often one, two, three points, whatever. I usually get to pick. I have, I think I have always gotten to pick what I get to preach on any given Sunday morning. What is it like in your context when it comes to preaching? Yeah. So as you said, I'm a part of a liturgical tradition, which is, um, you know, think, think Catholic, Episcopalian, Lutheran, um, some Presbyterian, Methodist, uh, liturgical meaning uh, the, I think the, the Greek word or Latin word, I think is work of the people. Um, and it just means kind of call and response, a liturgy of sometimes chanting and singing uh, formed prayers that, uh, that are already kind of written out uh, a lot of sitting and standing. So you, you, you know what you're going to get when you come and sit down. And there's a lot of um, similarity between Catholic liturgies, Episcopalian and Lutheran liturgies in terms of the flow of the service and the language used with, within the worship service itself and wrapped around liturgical tradition are, are the seasons of the church year. So you, you recognize that you move through, um, these seasons of, you know, you start a new liturgical year with the season of Advent and you have four weeks that lead you to Christmas. And then from Christmas, you have tw the 12 days of Christmas and that leads into the season of Epiphany, which Epiphany just a word meaning to unveil or to reveal. And so who is this Jesus born for us? Well, we're going to talk about who is Jesus? What is God revealing to us in Jesus? So the, the season of Epiphany uh, lays that out. And then from Epiphany, move into the season of Lent, uh, which is that uh, seasonal liturgical uh, season, 40 days leading up to Easter uh, and preparation for uh, the passion of Christ and the cross that leads to, to the season of Easter, the chief, the chief festival, the chief season of the church year. It's not Christmas. Christmas is good. It gets all the headlines. Uh, we get lots of toys and presents and, and bright lights, but, but Easter is, is kind of the hinge that the whole church year is is hinged on or, or focused on. And so you get the big festival of, of Easter, and that's actually a 50-day season in the liturgical tradition that leads to the season of Pentecost and the story of the Holy Spirit descending upon um, the church and empowering it uh, to be Jesus in the world. So then you have the season of Pentecost, which is pretty long. It moves through like the spring, through the summer and early fall. And then you start all over again with uh, the new liturgical year and the season of Advent, you tell the whole story again. And, then, and, and wrapped within those church seasons, you have a lectionary, lectionary Bible readings, the Revised Common Lectionary. They are assigned to a particular Sunday of the church year. And so that's what kind of shapes the story we tell and, and the preaching we do within the season of the church year and the assigned readings that go way back to the early church, way back to, you know, before the Reformation. And then the, there's, there's been revisions and reforms of that lectionary um, process or structure over the years, but, but now it's called the Revised Common Lectionary. So every Sunday I get um, from my denominational kind of uh, structure and also other liturgical churches out there who go by the church seasons and the revised common lectionary every Sunday we get uh, four readings 
in the lectionary, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, uh, and the and a gospel reading that is tied to and tethered to um, what season you're in. Um, but over the course of three years, this lectionary, here we go. Here's a long thing. I, I'm pretty proud of myself that I'm remembering all this uh, talking to you. But the <laughs> um, um, that it's a three-year process. So you have year A, year B, year C. So you still have the seasons of church year, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost. But that's wrapped around these different years of liturgical, um, the revised common lectionary. So year A, I think is Matthew. I could be wrong. Uh, year B is Mark. Year C is Luke. And, okay. um, and, and then John, John's gospel, since it's not synoptic, um, and mm-hmm. a little different, it's kind of sprinkled throughout all, all three years. So you work okay. over the course of three years, you work through the entire, pretty much the entire of the Bible, um, uh, minus, minus like the long, genealogies and numbers the stuff that really bore people but but like you hit the main <laughs> highlights there there's there there's definitely some stories that aren't in the the three-year process but most of if you go through three years of electionary you're going to hear preached or taught or read in church um most of the old testament all the psalms and and all the gospels and then the epistle readings with paul as well um and and revelation in there but um, so all that being said, that that's what governs my week to week and month to month seasonal preaching. Um, so I'm not choosing the text. Now, there are liturgical churches that have moved away or do something different, especially in the long summers when you have these long Pentecost readings and stuff. You're kind of like, I'm going to shake up the monotony and I'm going to do a sermon series on this or that and use these books. And there's people that that do that. Um but but most of my context, most of the churches I've been a part of have used the revised common lectionary. And I I look at the assigned reading and then I shape a message uh, and sermon for my context, what the Bible is saying to my context, what I, I exegete the text, and then also how it speaks to the season that we're in, the liturgical season as well, and kind of fitting all those in together. Ooh, I know that's you- a lot, but that's kind of the... A lot there, but that's kind of the gist of it. The basics, as you will. <laughs> systematically answered and raised so many questions. Uh, <laughs> okay, so first off, just to back up a little bit, starting with the yeah. church calendar part. So right now we are in a season of Pentecost then. Yeah, yeah, you have uh, Pentecost Sunday, and then you have this technically the Sundays that follow Pentecost. And it's and it's um, and that leads up. It's a very long, very long season um, that leads up all the way up to we start in November, a season of Advent. Okay, okay. So then you said those kind of govern the year, and basically, if I understand correctly, how that that church calendar year goes, you're going through the life of Jesus into the birth of the church in Acts and starting back what it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so how do you tell the whole story of Jesus? Hopefully every Sunday we're preaching the good news of Jesus and his life and what it meant, his life, death and resurrection and what that means for us as his followers. Um, But, but throughout the whole year, you're going to get his whole story from uh, the prophetic telling of here comes the Messiah, his mom, John the Baptist, he's born. And then you get to kind of walk through his life throughout the, the seasonal year up to Easter. 
he's resurrected. And then, yeah, the life of the what's next for the church. Well, Pentecost, um, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then that long season of the Sundays after Pentecost, what does it mean to be the church and followers of Jesus? And so, of course, we still read gospel readings of him teaching parables and and getting in fights in church and synagogue and healing people <laughs> and 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 that that kind of stuff. And so you're unpacking. Oh, here's Jesus. Like this past week, um, uh, the past two Sundays, we we had a Jesus healed on the Sabbath, the woman who was bent over, mm. and okay. and people and people got upset. So so my sermon really went around with like, you know, religious rule makers and us who are the religious elite, what rules do we set that, that hinder people from a full life? So I've leaned into that a little bit. And then as Jesus changed her posture to see the world differently, standing up straight and seeing the world differently, how does Jesus change our posture and how we navigate the world and see the world differently? Mm -hmm. So that I use that passage and, and that's a great message for how to learn to be a Pentecostal church pentecostal not literally pentecostal lutherans are very uncharismatic uh which we can learn from our pentecostal friends um uh, on that part but the um but how are we um filled with the spirit to be the church in the world the body of christ in the world so so that that gospel text even though it was assigned for the revised common lectionary and given to us you gotta read it that's what i i preached on to unfold for my my flock and my community to help them as they start a new school year and that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. I see that. So then over the course of three years, year A, year B, year C, you're basically going to one way or another cover 90% of the Bible, 95% of the Bible. You yeah. said you, you might skip sure. like the genealogy stuff, but in one form or another, you're going to cover the entirety in three years. Yep. Yep. See, that's, that's and there's some deep cuts. There's some deep cuts in there that you may not get. Like, I, I don't remember, like, who, who are the kids that get mauled by she bears because they called uh, Elijah Baldy or something? Oh, remember that? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if that shows up in our lectionary. <laughs> I don't remember it. So that's like <laughs> a deep cut that, like, you know, that could be fun for like youth group or like a fun sermon series of like crazy stories of the Bible. But, um, but yeah, over three years. And I think, you know, as less and less people come to church on a weekly basis, like, and, and, and yeah, I have my diehards here, my Sunday warriors who are like here every Sunday. And then there's young families that show up every other Sunday. There's other families that show up once a month. And then you have the Christmas Easter folks that show up. And so, how do you share this biblical narrative, um, the whole big picture for those on a Sunday that they show up and over the course of like seasons and years when they gather in our programming? So that's that's why some people, I mean, I love the lectionary because it, it, I don't have to choose. It forces me to maybe preach on things I wouldn't normally preach on or pick a passage mm -hmm. I wouldn't normally pick. Um, so it forces me to wrestle with a text that, that just isn't my, my favorite one. Um, sure. and see it differently. So that, that's kind of the gift there. But then you, it, like anything, if you do it enough, you get into a rut and it's a routine. And you've always done it. You've always done these seasons and people kind of glaze over their eyes and it's not as okay. exciting. It can get boring and lose its steam or energy and life behind it too. You, you brought up the example of the three kids who make fun of Elijah for being bald. Yes. I, I preached once at, I, I, 
preach frequently at a Christian Reformed church. This one in particular doesn't do liturgy, but it's part of the CRC denomination. And I preached on Judges chapter 3, the story of Ehud, which is a very (laughs) peculiar story. It's one of my favorite ones in the Bible. And I got done with the sermon, and I was in the back doing the handshaking at the end. And one little woman came up to me and did say, she said something to the effect of, yeah, I don't remember that one in my catechism readings. I don't remember yeah. that one in my liturgy readings. Yeah. So in the lectionary, you have the three, or the you said it's a reading from the Old Testament, a psalm, a... What year one is Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, with John mm-hmm. sprinkled in between, and then additional readings from the New Testament. So you have four chunks yeah, of scripture. So, so the first reading is usually, you know, when you know we do our opening hymn, and then we do some liturgical chanting, prayer of the day, maybe a children's message, maybe some announcements, and then everyone sits down. It's time to read the Bible in, in public. Uh, out loud. And and so we'll have the first reading is Old Testament. Um, then we'll do the psalm, either chant it or, or read it responsibly or just read a psalm. Uh, and then do the, the second reading is usually from um, an epistle of Paul or one of the, you know, first John, first Peter, something like that, an, an epistle okay. reading. Um, and then you have a gospel reading. So yeah, there's four readings. And usually the person preaching um, is the one who reads the gospel. Everyone sits down and then they preach. And usually we have members of the church that will read the other passages, our, our lectors, we okay. call them. So they'll read the Old Testament, New Testament reading, the psalm, unless the choir is leading it and, and kind of a chanting hymnody way of, of reading the psalm, singing the psalm together. And then okay. and then the, the minister, the preacher, he or she will We'll read the gospel and then and then share the homily or the sermon after that. And then I can choose from all that. Usually, I mean, golly, I people would think that like we're just so gospel centric that you never preach in the Old Testament. But I just sometimes the gospel is just so good. It's hard not to like talk about what Jesus is up to and what he's doing. And I'll tie it into sure. the Old Testament reading. Sometimes I'll preach on all four if they all tie together, especially okay. In the season of Advent or Christmas, I'll craft a sermon, but there are sermons within liturgical tradition because we have liturgy and we celebrate Holy Communion every Sunday. You know, usually sermons tend to be 10 to 15 minutes. Um, okay. Mine over the years have grown and become more long or longer, and people pick on me that, that they're getting longer. It's just, I guess, as you get older <laughs> as a pastor, you feel like you get more long winded. Um, but, but yeah, that 12, 13, 14, 15 minute sermon. Uh, to set the context, unpack the packet passage, and then and then move on to the other part of liturgy with Holy Communion and, and offering and and prayers of the people, that kind of stuff. Just just as this keeps going, we might have to make this like two. Uh, two you might have to come back yeah. and talk more about this I'll because be happy to. as this keeps going, there's just more and more that <laughs> there's keeps a lot coming up. There's there is, there is. Um, so that that is. I'm glad you explained that a little bit more about the readings. Um, I have, you know, I've been going to Baptist or non-denominational churches for basically my whole life. And I have gotten to a point where it's just, I don't want to use the word boring, but I just, there is a part of me that feels like 
services in that type of context are missing something when it's just here's a couple songs here's the offering let's pray here's the sermon let's sing one more song and it's been my brush with the reform tradition where you have congregational prayer we're going to recite the doxology together we're going to recite the lord's prayer together we're you know you're talking about you have three or you have four rounds of scripture reading that that appeals to me more not just because it's something else to do but because you've you're giving your congregation more more time in god's word you may only be preaching for 10 15 20 minutes, but you've also have had four different passages of scripture presented to your congregation to take in chant along with that's that I really like. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And I think, um, it is a gift that, that we have for that. And I, and I grew up in it. I grew up in this tradition. So, so, um, I, I do like it and enjoy it. And it's very formative to me. Um, but I think on the flip side, there are those who are in my context or grew up in a church like this one who are like, ah, oh, we do the same liturgy every week. And I just hear random passages out of context from the Old Testament that I have no idea where mm-hmm. it's tied into the other parts of the Old Testament. And we stand up and sit down a lot and we sing the same hymns. I want to go to another church that where it's a longer sermon that unpacks it more, that does fewer okay. liturgy and does a song. So, so the, on the, the flip side is there are definitely those in my context sure. who are like, oh, I'm so bored by this and I want something, but there's something to be said. I mean, I did a lot of, um, you know, my first out of ministry or first into ministry, I was, I was a youth pastor and I'd go to youth specialties conference conferences that tended to be more like larger congregation based and, and how to do, you know, success, successful youth groups in, in large settings. And, and okay. I've noticed a movement from more evangelical um, uh, way of doing church to more liturgical and centering in on the mm-hmm. sacraments of baptism and communion and doing liturgies and tapping and lighting candles and, and having icons and getting in touch with the early church fathers and mothers of the church and their writings. And so mm-hmm. it's this movement away from like, yeah, there's a whole historical um, aspect to our, our church and Christianity there, this gifts across the board. Um, so, so it's funny how one would say like, oh, that's attractive to me because it's neat and you sit and you stand and there's something for me to do. Whereas in my tradition, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of this. Can I go to this other church that maybe has a little bit more lively band and, and a little bit longer sermon, uh, that, that is more teaching. Like you're going to like a Ted talk or, or like a lecture kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So, so there's gifts in both. But the reason I like liturgical church season is that you get to tell the story of Jesus over across the whole year. There's rituals and hymns that that focus in like Advent. You're gonna you're gonna sing some Christmas carols and prophetic hymns that lead into Christmas. During Lent, it may be a little bit more intentional and contemplative, and focus on hymns about with the what it, what the cross means and Jesus' passion is. Easter, you're gonna have the trumpets and really focus in on resurrection. It's not that you're not talking about resurrection in Advent or Lent. You don't pretend it didn't happen, but but it um, you're able to focus in on these themes throughout the year for people. Advent, I'm really going to focus on what do we long for, what are we waiting for, what does hope okay. really mean? Um, Jesus is the light of the world. Where can we shine light in the darkness? That those themes are going to hit as it starts getting darker 
and the weather starts getting colder leading to Christmas. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit on those themes for my people. Um, and it gets a little probably, I, I don't, I don't preach to the season. I, I definitely want to preach to what the text is actually saying, but the season is there okay. to kind of complement it and support it. Um, okay. As, as you're preaching and teaching. Okay. Wow. This is just so fascinating. Well, this is all <laughs> so interesting. The I'm still just taken away by the idea that in three years you're going to get through. You get through the bulk of scripture. Like yeah, our the our home church just did three years in Romans, which for people in your context, as you just said, you know, maybe sitting and listening to three years worth of 30, 40 minute sermons on Romans sounds really refreshing. It was for a while. And then (laughs) it got to the point of like, are we ever going to finish this? Can we talk about something else, please? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think too, like that old Testament reading, the Psalm, New Testament epistle and gospel, it, we are Christians of the whole Bible. We're believers of the whole Bible. We're not Marcionites mm-hmm. who believe just in the New Testament. And the Old Testament God is different from the New. God didn't have a mm-hmm. personality change from the Old Testament to Jesus. Like it's, it's one God and there's gospel there too. So I think it's important that we remember uh, and breathe the breadth and depth of the whole entirety of scripture, not just like our favorite gospel passages or favorite things that Paul said, um, you know, um, I think that's important. So what do you do when, you know, if the congregation is starting to, at, at, if certain people in the congregation get to this place of this feels very ritualistic, this feels very, you know, we just do the same thing every week. We talk about the same thing every year. I can imagine that there have been points for you where you've experienced that form of burnout as well. What do you do if you have come into seasons like that, what do you do to process and get back into the swing of worshiping God that way? Yeah. Like, like, and, and with the, the liturgies we use or, or for the season we're in, I always remind my folks myself that a new season is coming. Yeah. I'm right now. It's about the time, you know, in the summer where these Sundays after Pentecost and we're, we're doing the same thing every Sunday. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I know the fall is coming, <laughs> a new school year. I know Advent's right around the corner. We'll, ch- we'll pick a new liturgical setting with, um, you know, change the chairs around. We'll pick a different liturgy from our, ham- our, our hymnal that share um, kind of a different tune or, or thing. So I, it, every, there'll be a seasonal change. If you don't like it, if I tell congregation member, ah, I don't like that liturgy we used or those prayers and these hands, I'm like, well, well, guess what? Advent's not that far off. Um, Epiphany's okay. not that far off. There, there are times when it does shake up the monotony and there is a new season coming that will that pull us out of that. I mean, it is during the season of Lent. It can be, it can feel long, 40 days, mm-hmm. five weeks, six weeks or whatever. Um, you're like, man, this is a really depressing season. I'm like, well, yeah, it's been a hard, long winter, but guess what? Easter's coming. And that's part of what you yep. do to preach. And there's, and then I, I am in a, in a team ministry context with um, a deacon of of youth ministry where she preaches from time to time pastor mark our campus pastor preaches from time to time i preach mm-hmm. um so i'm on a like every other week or 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 twice or three times a month preaching schedule that okay. that we rotate around so i get to hear other people preach 
um, my congregation mm -hmm. members get to hear uh, our different staff and what they are preaching on certain things. So that helps break up the monotony as well. Okay. Yeah. I, I could see, I could see that a lot. And I also feel like very season of Advent during the season of Advent, we're sometimes do extra worship services. Like I do a midweek Wednesday night service with a different liturgy hmm. and a different kind of sermon series around like the prophetic um, messages of, for the Messiah of the coming Messiah. We'll pick something like that or, or the different um, we'll, we'll unpack the Magnificat of, of Mary's song and Luke Ooh, leading, okay. up, le leading up to Christmas. So we do have those things too, not just Sunday. During Lent, okay. we'll also have a, a midweek Wednesday night Lenten service, about 30 minutes where a short liturgy, prayers, and then have a, a sermon series. So those are different avenues that churches will use and that we'll use as like, we don't have an assigned reading, but I'll do a sermon series on, on grief during Lent okay. on Wednesday nights and, and people will focus in on, on that too. So that's another thing that we do that I was just reminded of. There's not just Sunday. We every now and then to do that as well. Give special services throughout the calendar when necessary. Yeah, exactly. I like that. The first time I preached at a Methodist church, I was not told about the 10, 15 minute sermon length until mm. five minutes before the service started. And here I am with my Baptist 35 minute sermon in hand and I it was it was a challenge but it what was interesting for me what was interesting for me was okay how do I boil this down and it really it forces you to really focus on what matters most in the text you know a lot yeah, of yeah the longer sermons are longer partially because they've got a lot of stories and illustrations and quotes and you know there's a lot of extra fluff and yeah i had yeah. to cut like actual had to cut actual content as well but it really made me focus on okay what is the point of this passage just talk about the point there you go and and i and i feel like yeah i'll use sermon illustrations and life stories and and pop culture references and stuff to kind of make it real for people um and, and tied it in and make it make it relevant uh, as much as I can. But but yeah, that that ten to fifteen minutes, you focus on the passage, what's really going on, and and really try to find a way that people can apply it or think about it in a way that will lead them um, the rest of the week at school or at work. Um, mm -hmm. And and then liturgical tradition too. Like I used to put a lot of pressure on myself for the sermon. And I do. I don't want to like botch the sermon. I want to. I want to be uh, a good preacher. But I know that if, if it's not perfect, if it's not like I don't hit a home run, that I have other liturgy and seasonal things around me mm -hmm. that support it. And that when we celebrate communion every Sunday, that, that I, mm -hmm. I hand a piece of bread and, and some wine to my congregant and say the blood, the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you. That even if I botch the gospel on a Sunday, at that point, they're still going to hear the good news that... Mm -hmm. Christ's body and blood was given for them. And, and so I, I, I've over the years taken the pressure off of me, which gives me a little bit more freedom to get creative within my sermon. But I know that I have a whole liturgical system, hymns, scripture readings, sacraments that are there within the worship service. It's not just the will show. It's just not just my sermon. Mm -hmm. The whole service itself 
the whole worship service is a package where we express and articulate the good news of, of who Jesus is and why he matters. And I think going back to something you talked about earlier of the more evangelical non-denominational church wanting to move more into the direction that you have been doing church this whole time, going back to what you just said, what you said about that, you know, that is truly what is a lot of people in the non-denominational church. They see the sermon as the main event. Like it's a fight, you know, like, a, you know, the, the big fight that you come for each and every Sunday is to hear the sermon. That's the big attraction mm-hmm. is your 30 minute sermon and you sing some songs and you give a tithe and there's a prayer. Maybe there's communion that week. You know, we don't do communion yeah. every week. We it's about a once a month type of system at our church. But what mm-hmm. I find refreshing and beautiful about your context is the focus isn't on just the preaching it's the entirety of the service there's so much detail put into it that points to the gospel that points to jesus your your sermon is a piece of a larger puzzle and i think that is truly something that people in more of my context need to start understanding and applying more yeah yeah i think that's important and 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 I've and over the years have been ordained since 2000, so 22 years as a pastor. That um, I've, I've found a rhythm, I've found my voice um, uh, of of the liturgical process, the the seasonal, the yearly, but also Sunday to Sunday process. Found found a rhythm for that, and 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 helpful ways. I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm not on Saturday night going, oh my gosh, what am I saying? How am I saying it? Yeah. Ah, restless night, and then trying to tighten it up on Sunday morning, and still trying to feel it. I but but there's a rhythm there and a context that I, I that helps move me along that I'm not the only one um, doing this that we're, my church is doing it. Um, there's other Lutheran churches that are part of the process. I know there's a friend of mine, a colleague who's got the same gospel reading that they're wrestling with at in Hickory, North Carolina, um, mm. and so that's kind of that I'm a part of a larger liturgical tradition. Even there's Catholics that that are hearing the same readings every Sunday that I am. And we're, we're moving along in this journey together of, mm. of how it means to follow Jesus. So that, that's the other thing, not just my church moving in this church season, but, but my whole denomination, other liturgical denominations and traditions are in that same seasonal liturgical process. And we're all wrestling with this together. Nice. I think that's a good place for us to draw this conversation to a close. But like I said, you may have just booked yourself for like five more episodes. I don't know. We'll get back. We'll do a series. We'll do that. I'll be happy to do it. Absolutely. Right. (laughs) Pastor Will, where can people find you if they want to hear some of your preaching or hear you talk about pop culture? Yeah. Well, um, my church um, has a YouTube channel, Holy Trinity Lutheran Church, Chapel Hill or Holy Trinity Chapel Hill. And uh, we have our, our, since COVID, been doing, a, we have a YouTube channel and streaming in our services. So that's, that's nice, extending our reach that way. Uh, we have a Holy Trinity Chapel Hill has a website. You can find us there. I'm on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, myself personally. Um, and then uh, Systematic Ecology is, is the podcast that I'm mainly a part of. It talks about like 
uh, geek culture and how it ties to the big questions we we wrestle with with philosophy and theology and and geek out on those things. So so I'm all kind of different places, but but yeah, all you can always shoot me a message on social media and then um, through our website. You want to ask me more questions about the Lutheran tradition and and how we um, where we find ourselves underneath the surface tent of the gospel expressions. <laughs> Um, you know, reach out to me. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. All right. And we'll throw a bunch of those links in the description for this episode, where you can also find links to the My Seminary Life website, the shop. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. And you can contact the show, email seminarylife at gmail.com. If you have a question for me or a complaint or a limerick or a poem, whatever you want to, whatever you want to <laughs> shoot my way, you can email me there before we get out of here. Pastor will as an official priest to the geeks, I do have one last question for you. Yeah. What'd you think of Thor love and thunder? Oh boy. Are we, am I supposed to do that in 30 seconds or a minute? Because I have lots uh, of thoughts. Yeah. Uh, give us like your how about how about two minute? Give us like your two minute two drill. Um, I yeah, you know I went in. You know we um, some of those original Thor runs in the comics are my favorite comics of all time. The God Butcher, Jane Foster okay. as Thor, are are my like peak comics. That that Jason Aaron, even though he's not a believer and he wrestles with with atheism and, and, and disbelief and deconstruction, I think he's asking some great questions about what what makes a God worthy or not, and, and the problem of pain and suffering. And, and I was just like, wow, he's articulated way. So I, I, I loved those story arcs. So I was excited when it came to a movie. And I tried not to t- attach too many um, expectations when the movie came out. I just wanted to go in and have fun because I know the director has a kind of a quirky sense of humor. And it was probably not going to be as serious as I wanted it to be. And so I went in, I'm going to have fun with this. And I did. I had fun. Okay. I had really good okay. moments. There are parts I really, really liked. And then as more as I thought about it, I was like, man, I wish they didn't go for the joke there. I wish they leaned in more yeah. into the bigger questions. And for me, I'm a big Star Wars fan. But, you know, I think with the prequels and especially episode one, you know, there's too much Jar Jar. And um, <laughs> it's not a horror. It's not like the worst character of all time like some people will say but but yeah there are parts of the phantom menace when they're talking about indentured servitude and slavery and anakin's <laughs> plight and you have a jar jar joke i'm like god george don't go for the joke let's lean into this like hard sure. good question and i felt like that was what was going on with love and thunder there were some jar jar moments when you like you could have really gone deeper and instead they went with a with a joke um my wife went and saw it with me. She's like, yeah, it was okay. It was kind of cheesy. And it just wasn't her sense of humor. For me, it was my sense of humor, so mm-hmm. I liked it more. Um, but it was fine. It was good. I have not seen it a second time. I think it's coming to Disney Plus um, September 8th. And so I'll rewatch yeah. it with a different yeah. set of eyes. But all in all, it was fine. But um, I-, I like the source material better. How's that? that was- I-, I share a lot of the same a lot of the same opinion on that actually the episode one jar jar comparison is a really good i think that's a really yeah. fitting comparison yeah. christian bale was about the best part of that movie i thought mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as the god butcher he was fantastic absolutely absolutely 
and even some of the Jane Foster stuff wasn't wasn't bad. I'm glad I brought her back mm-hmm. and and you know wrestling with cancer and and what makes one worthy or not. And the I mean I, I think yeah that that's there, but I I think there there are too many moments when they went for the joke when it could have gone a little little deeper. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, once again, Pastor Will, thank you for taking time for dropping in here and explaining, giving giving us a taste of what your ministry world is like. Really appreciate you, my friend. Thanks, and buddy. of course, and to all of you listening, thanks for stopping in and listening to, this, to today's episode. And remember, keep on studying.